call him a man on fire because he's passionate like me. So, Brother Jesse Rodriguez, would you come on up here and share what's on your heart? We are ready to receive. Come on. Well, thank you for having me. I consider this a great opportunity for me to share. Um, and it went pretty close to what Pastor said, the conversation. And he got me, and he started, when he started asking me more questions, I started thinking, uh-oh, I know where this is going. So I do appreciate the opportunity, like I said. Um, this time, last time I was at the other campus and I took my watch off, and afterwards I started thinking about it. I'm like, that's what old people do. I'm like, I'm going to take out my phone this time so that I can actually time myself. Because last time, my wife is always good to me. She made sure to let me know I went five minutes over my time. So I'm going to keep to the 15 this time. Um, uh, I did talk to Pastor about the first thing that came to my world is patience. And uh, as far as uh, not just a father, but a good father, what does a good father uh, portray? And I found... Patience is a process. It's not just going to happen. It's not just what you are. It takes a lifetime for some of us. Uh, There are some of us that are more patient than others, but still the the process is set for us by the Lord. Um, I want to read a scripture to you. James chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. It says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Um, I think about Pastor mentioned already earlier how how patient has God been with me. Uh, he's my heavenly Father, and I find myself throughout my life uh, as a kid, through my teens, through my young adulthood, and now to old age where I am. Thank you for laughing. Um, through, throughout that span, God has been so patient with me, leading me along when I thought I was done, when I thought, well, how can I go on, when I. Uh, how can I recover from this? Uh, he continued to be patient with me. And so as a father, um, I find that I am impatient. And I'm going to try to encourage you as fathers today that patience does matter in your life. And I think about how impatient I was or how much more impatient I was when I was a young father. Uh, I was telling my wife, you know, I remember with my, with my son, Nathaniel, he is about, at this time, he was probably about three and I was in the house sitting there, and he came running up to me and just kind of, he did something, and I told him, don't do that. And then he came up to me and kind of like bumped me. And I said, hey, don't do that. And I just kind of pushed him to the side. Then he went in a circle and came back around and bumped me again. And I looked at him, and I just pushed him to the ground. And I'm like, what are you? And then all of a sudden in that moment, I'm like, what are you doing? You're the dad. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, as fathers... You're laughing because you've done it. I know it. See, as fathers, um, we're not to push our children down. As fathers, we're supposed to pick them up. You know, think about that. It's those little things that happen along in our lives that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, Whoa, if you start doing that, you're heading down a dangerous road. This is the better way. And so that's what patience brings to us. Uh, Another episode with my son, because he's the glutton of my punishment. As I was, I, I decided to go for a jog one day, and like every father in here, you know, we go big or we stay home, right? We don't just do half-hearted stuff. So he is only five years old, so put him on a bike, and I had him jog, uh, riding his bike as I was jogging. 
And we came to this place where there was no sidewalk next to some orchards. It kind of got uh, muddy there. And so I'm a pretty competitive guy, even more so when I was younger. And so I wanted to keep my pace going. I'm on a jog, right? I'm trying to get my time in. And here's my son, you know, slowing me down. So I'm like encouraging him, let's go, come on, let's go. And I'm finding myself getting frustrated with him. So frustrated, I finally grabbed his handlebars and just grabbed him and dragged him through the mud. His feet pop off the, uh, the pedals. His eyes are like this big and he's just holding on, trying not to fall off with that bike. And I get, and I, I get across and I look over and there's these two older women looking at me kind of like, you know, what, what's he thinking? But in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, we're going to get through this. We're going to get home and on time. And when I get home, I tell my wife, she's like, you really did that? And I look back now and I'm thinking, I am ashamed of it, actually. I think about it. I'm like, why couldn't I have been more patient? He's five years old. What made me have this drive to be like, overlook my son and just say, you know what? I'm just going to pull you over here and not consider you. And I thought, you know, if I could do it over again now, at the age I'm at now, and the process God has brought me through now of patience that I wish I could go back and just say, it's okay, buddy. Come on, let's get you through here. It's all right. Take your time. I'll walk with you. Man, but it's, the years go by. And you can't go back and do that. But you can change as you go along, as the Lord leads you and guides you. I thought that those are just some examples there, but that's kind of a lifelong story or a pattern for for my life, I guess, if you look back and what God is trying to teach us with patience. But the thing, the greatest thing with patience that I, I find myself, this was talk, what I was talking with Pastor about, was that, you know, I have these expectations for my kids. I had dreams for them. You know, they were going to be in the NBA. They were going to be NFL players. You know, all of us dads have that. They will be this someday. And, you know, you start realizing along the way that, you know, eh, they can't pitch that well or, you know, they can't run as fast or, eh, you know, basically they're just like me. Right. That's what in the end, that's, that's what it is. So it's like you're it's OK. <laughs> just see you're laughing because you know it's the same thing you guys are thinking. So but what I thought was. I thought if I did certain things, the things my expectations were that they would work out right. I thought if I took my kids to church and introduced them to my Savior, being a father would somehow be easier for me. I thought that putting them in sports and being at each one of their games would build character and strong relationships as a father and son and a father and daughter, which would support my efforts at being the number one dad in the world. I thought working hard and getting a good education would help me as a father Be a wealth of wisdom for my children and they would honor every opinion I had and every decision I would make for my family. Well, not so much. All of that that I thought um, doesn't just happen. Because I learned that each one of them has a free will. Each one of our kids has a free will. Each one has to make their own choices. Each one of them is different. And that's where patience comes in. That's what God is teaching me because I'm not done yet. I think I'm like halfway there because I thought I was, you know, when I was the, the early years, I was like, yeah, I'm a good dad. Yeah, I'm good. I'm there at everything. Then the teen years came around. I'm like, whoa, what's this? Hold on a second. And then now they're coming into adulthood. And I'm like, I thought they were fully cooked already. and We can move on, but we've got to put them back in for a little while longer. 
So I'm at the point where I'm looking at some of my older brothers and sisters. I look at some of others that have gone through where their kids are older. And I'm thinking, uh, how do I get there? What do I need to do to get there? Well, I was reading this uh, article by Adair Laura. It's entitled, When Children Turn Into Cats. Has anyone ever heard of this one? Good. Because uh, someone had told me about it a while back, and then my wife reminded me about it again also. So this article basically talks about that our children, when they start off as kids and adolescents, they're like dogs. They like to be around you. You pet them. You're like, hey, come on, come on. They come on right over. You're, You're walking. You look around. You see they're falling right behind you. Everything you do, that dog is right next to you, ready to, you know, they'll forgive you for everything and anything. They are your faithful companion. Then all of a sudden something happens right around the teen years. And you turn around and they're no longer a dog, they're a cat. And so now when you're like, come on, they look over at you like, I know you didn't do that to me. And so you're like, wait a minute, I've trained this dog. I know that they know my command. And so what we tend to do is give them more of that command. Hey, come on. And if not, I'm going to go and discipline that, right? Because you know I've trained you, but they're no longer dogs. They are not cats. So the cat's up there on the fence. The cat's out all night. The cat's the ones that's crying in the night, screaming. And you're like, what in the world is that? That's the cat outside. So you're throwing the cat out the door now because, you know, it's no longer a dog. You're outside now. You don't get to stay in here. So we treat them differently, but we don't, we don't know that they're a cat now. So we could either do one of two things. We can continue try to treating them like dogs or you can do some research and start figuring out how do I raise a cat? And so you start saying, you know what? I'm just going to wait for the cat to come around. And when the cat comes around, if it stays long enough, maybe I'll try to pet the cat. And maybe the cat will lean in more. And you have to be careful, though, because those cats, right? Uh, maybe the cat will come around and want something to eat this time. Maybe it won't. But I'm going to be ready when it does. And that's kind of what I found with my kids. You know, it's like, what happened to my kids? They're no longer here anymore. They're doing their own thing. They're not listening to me. But the thing about this article, it says that don't worry about it, though, because once they get past that teen year and the early adulthood, they turn back into dogs eventually. And they want to come back to you. They want to sit by your side again. They want to say, hey, tell me about the good days, Dad. Tell me. Remember that one time, Dad? They start telling those stories again. And you My hope is, that's my hope for my kids. I'm like, I got my kids back? You know, they want to be around me? They want to, that's the hope. But there's patience involved in that. And I'm learning that I have to be a patient father in order to get to that point where my kids will come around to the point where they can see me. You know, the reason I know this is true is because it happened for me uh, with my father. I was, you know, I had a time where I was like, you know, I'm my own man now. I'm going to go do my thing. Time to move out. Time to get married. Time to have my kids and all that. But it came to the point where I wanted to be about around dad suddenly. I came back to him. I wanted to sit down with him. I remembered the good times. I remember the things he taught me. You know, so those, those are the things that I believe the Lord is leading us through as fathers. And the, the thing that I didn't expect and I want to encourage you with, fathers, is that I thought it was supposed to be easy, and it's not. Being a father is hard, and being a good father is even harder. But that doesn't mean we just give up and say, forget it, we can't do it. We continue and we are committed to the process, because our father is committed to the process with us. 
God just didn't say, you know what, you're a cat now, Jesse. Come back when you're a dog. He, he stayed with me through my rebellion. He stayed with me through my insecurities. He stayed with me through my lack of passion and compassion. And he did everything. He was everything for me that I wasn't for myself. And that's, that's what I want to be to my kids. I want to be everything that they can't be for themselves right now. And it takes patience. It takes time. And unfortunately, the Bible talks about that it takes hurt and pain. Uh, I read to you that scripture again where it says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God's working patience through me, and he's given me three things to try my faith. Isabella, Nathaniel, and Tasha. It is a great opportunity for me to grow. And I say all that in jest. I love my kids. And I love that I just said that because I saw their expressions and I, they, they know it. I, I like doing that. Um, but there, the Bible talks about that our children are gifts to us. They truly are gifts. But I just didn't know. I, I just thought if I did this, everything's good. But remember, they have their own thoughts. They have their own feelings. They have their own emotions. They have their own hurts. They have their own pains. And as fathers, our job is to maintain, to stay there. And to remember that we are committed to the process of as they get through this time, we're still going to be there in the end. We will love them no matter what. We'll care for them no matter what, because our great father did it for us. Our heavenly father has done it for us. And so I just wanted to encourage you with that today as fathers that hang in there. It does get tough. Don't worry. It's going to get tougher. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was so good. How many of you can relate to that? Oh, man. I, I was sharing in color. My, my, when my kids turned into cats, they weren't kitty cats. I mean, they took bobcats, tigers. I mean, it was like, whoa. Yeah, but so true. We need to be patient. And, you know, I know as my kids are experiencing, especially uh, my my kids uh, with with children, they're, they're like, wow, they're 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 just, they're just tripping out on me. Like the way that I treat their kids, it's like, is this the same man? And I'm like, but I tell them, look, just like you, I grew up, and I'm growing. Be happy, because now your kids get the benefit of it. Amen. <laughs> I want you to watch this video with me. I think it has a powerful message. So let's watch this video together, and then we'll get into a message right now. When you're a dad, you have to play a lot of roles. Hey, 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 don't eat that. Don't tap on the brake. Okay, All right. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Take, take a left, turn left, turn left, turn left. When a man loves a woman, he... Honey! Alrighty, sweetie. This time I want you to concentrate and focus on the ball. You got this. Oh! Sweetie, your date's here. Two weeks, no TV, no phone. 
this is my door in my house. I told you not to slam it. You get the door back when I say you get the door back. I told you before, don't you slam the door in my house. I told you. Hey, knock it off. Don't let me turn this car around. I'll do it. What are you wearing? You're not going anywhere looking like that. Go on back upstairs and put some clothes on. Oh! Got it. Open the door. Get the door. Get the door. Get the door. Get the door. Open the door. Open the door. Open the door. Bye. And Jesus steps in and stops everybody before they start throwing the rocks. And he says, let he who's without sin throw the first stone. You do all of this knowing that one day you will get fired because we all get fired. But by the grace of God... You might get hired back to be a consultant. Hey, sweetie. What's up? Come on. <laughs> Woo, come on. I love it, I love it, I love it. Come on. Wow, that was a great, great word on patience. And there's a characteristic that I believe that if we want to impact and influence our children... Uh, it's needed, and it's being caring. And so I want to share briefly on this thought of caring fathers. One of the most powerful stories in the history of the Olympic Games involved a canoeing specialist. His name was Bill Havens. He was a shoe-in, I'm told, to win a gold medal in the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris. But a few months before the Games were held, he learned that his wife would likely give birth to their first child while he was away. She told him that she could make it on her own, but this was a milestone that Bill just didn't want to miss. So he surprised everyone and stayed home. Bill greeted his infant son, Frank, into the world on August 1st, 1924. Though... He always wondered what might have been. He said he never regretted his decision. Well, he poured his life into that little boy. And he shared with him a love for the rapids. 24 years passed. And the Olympic Games were now held in Helsinki, Finland. This time, Frank Havens was chosen to compete in the canoeing event. The day after the competition... Bill received a telegram from his son that read, Dear Dad, thanks for waiting around for me to be born in 1924. I'm coming home with the gold medal that you should have won. It was signed, Your Loving Son, Frank. Now, many would have and did actually question Bill Haven's decision to miss his big opportunity in Paris, but he never wavered. He wanted his family to know that they always came first, no matter what, and that made him a hero to his son named Frank. Now, I want to read to you out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, where it, through what is accounted here in verses 14 to 29, we discover a caring father, and what a caring father does. In Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 14, down to verse 29, it says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. Immediately, 
when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. He said, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he came come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now I want you to notice how this father demonstrated care for his son. In this passage, we discover three ways that this father showed that he truly was concerned and cared for his son. The first thing we note is fathers care enough to bring their child to Jesus. Fathers care enough to bring their child to Jesus. We read that in Mark 9:17, where it says, And one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son. This father cared enough to bring his son to Jesus. Now, you got to keep in mind, we are not told the full details of what occurred. We are not told how long the trek took to get from this man's house to where Jesus was. But whatever the case would have been, the father was determined to get his son to Jesus. Why? Because he had heard that Jesus could deliver people from demon possession. He had heard that Jesus was a solution for those that were bound by conditions similar to his son's condition. And so this father cared enough to take the journey to get his son to Jesus. And this is what caring fathers do. They care enough to bring their sons to Jesus. They care enough to bring their sons into the presence of the one who is the answer and the solution. And I want to say to you fathers that bring your children to the house of God. You are truly men that are heroic because you understand that even though I am their parent, I must go to the heavenly father for he is the source of all true wisdom. He is the source of health that is needed not only for my life but if my children are to experience the unfolding of the purpose and promise of God in their lives I must be sure to put them in contact with him and so this father he cared enough to bring his child to Jesus and that's what caring fathers do 
They bring their children to Jesus, not only by bringing them to the house of God, but also by bringing them before the throne of God through prayer. The second thing this father teaches us about caring is fathers care enough to believe there is hope for their child. Fathers care enough to believe there is hope for their child. Notice in Mark 9, 21 again, it says, So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. The original language has several words to describe a person's age. So according to the father, the boy was being past a child and may have grown into at least the pre-teen years. So this tells me that this father had been dealing with this condition for some time. He had been seeing his son day in and day out, being tormented, being destroyed from the inside out through these demon powers that would throw him into water, that would throw him into fire with the intent of ultimately destroying him. This father had to, on the daily, from childhood to possibly preteen or adolescent years, watch his son deteriorating before his life, his eyes, because of a demonic power that the father could not help his son be freed from. And yet, this father was willing to go to Jesus. Why? Because he had a hope, a confident expectation that Jesus could deliver him. In the words of the the commentator William Barclay, he says this in the letter to the Romans, the Christian hope is the hope which has seen everything and endured everything and has still not despaired because it believes in God. The Christian hope is not hope in the human spirit, in human goodness, in human endurance, in human achievement. The Christian hope is hope in the power of God. The Christian hope is hope in the power of God. Why do we hope as children of God? Because we know with God God, all things are possible. And why are all things possible with God? Because one of the characteristics of God is He is omnipotent, meaning He is all-powerful. That means that there is nothing that our God cannot do. Therefore, we do not despair. We do not give in to the lies of the devil. But we know that our God, no matter how long a condition has been in existence in a person's life, our God in a moment can transform them. God can touch them and bring a change in their lives. And the Bible says of Abraham in Romans 4, 18 through 21, it says in Romans 8, 4, verses 18 through 21, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham, notice, never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever He promises. I want you to think about 
Those of you that have been walking with Jesus, I want you to think about those moments in your life, just like me, those moments in which really we felt there was no way out of our dilemma. There was no way out of our predicament. There was no solution to our problem. But we dared in spite of the hesitancy. We decided, okay, I believe in God. I'm going to call out to Him. And we now can say that there were situations in our life. We have a history with God. We have points in our journey where we can say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side at that moment, I would not be here today. But because He was there, I am here. And I want you to understand, as we sang, He's the same God today as He was then. That's why we have hope, because He is all-powerful, and He is present right now as He was then. Then the third thing about caring fathers is this. Fathers care enough to be honest about their own condition. Fathers care enough to be honest about their own condition. Watch this. In Mark chapter 9, verses 22 through 24, it says, And often he has thrown them both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all Things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Did you catch it? He brought his son to Jesus. And obviously, he was hurt. He was in despair. But then, when Jesus says to him, if you can believe, this man came to a moment of recognition about his own condition. In honesty, he said, Lord, I believe. But truth be told, I'm struggling to believe. Why? Think about it. For years, he had been almost on the daily disappointed. I'm sure that he had sought other other remedies for his son throughout those years that he was watching his son being tormented, possessed, and destroyed by these demonic powers. I'm sure he had sought help in other ways. And yet, the help that he sought always fell short. And now, he's taking this trip to Jesus. He arrives where he thinks Jesus is at. He comes across his disciples and he's thinking, oh, they do what he does. And he presents his need To the disciples of Jesus. But they couldn't cast the demon out. Disappointed again. Remember this. Disappointment is inevitable. Discouragement is a choice. Disappointment is inevitable. In other words, in life, disappointments are going to happen. You and I can't avoid it. We're going to get disappointed by life. 
But in disappointment, we choose whether or not we're going to become discouraged or not. This father decided, not only am I going to be honest about my son's condition, I'm going to get honest about my condition. Lord, and he said it through tears because it hit him profoundly. He recognized there was a moment of revelation. Not only does my son need healing and deliverance, I need healing and deliverance too. This father prayed in humility and asked for help. I want you to get this. Because I want you to understand that when you read the rest of the story, Jesus did not shame him for his honesty. Jesus acted through his ability because of his honesty. Don't miss that. Jesus did not shut the door. Jesus did not shame him because of his honesty. But instead, Jesus went on to exercise his ability. And he delivered his son from his condition. And don't you think that when he delivered the man's son from his condition, the faith level that had waned in the Father, went back up. (laughs) Jesus gave him a two for one. Oh, I want you to see the devil is trying to make you think you can't get honest with God because if you get honest with God, he's going to shut you out. If you get honest with God, he's going to stop working on your life. He's going to say, oh, I can't believe that you're struggling with that still. Oh, I can't believe that you don't have faith yet. I can't believe that you're still battling with that. No, when you get honest with God, you open the door for his grace and his mercy to make up for what you lack in your life. This is why the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This is what I've learned in my journey, you see, is that when I'm vulnerable, when I'm honest with God, he does not cast me out. He says, come on in. Let me show you how strong I am. Oh, you're weak, but let me come, let me embrace you so that I can show you my strength is greater than your weakness. Oh, you're battling with anxiety? Come on in my presence and I'll give you a power that will give you a peace, that will guard your heart and mind if you're willing to be vulnerable about your condition. I will exercise intervention and my ability will transform. Uh, So this father had a moment, an encounter that led to God exercising his ability in his life. Now, I've seen Jesus deliver through his power. I've seen Jesus do what only he could do. I battled with a condition in my life that I could not free myself from. But when I humbled myself before God and said, God, I can't. He didn't 
cast me away. Because Jesus said, he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He helped me. But I've also seen Jesus deliver people in my life from conditions that the devil tried to make me believe would never change. I told you that this past weekend we were in the San Diego area and my wife spoke at this conference and uh, she spoke on the father, our father, and she talked about his power as well as his care and how we can have an intimacy with him. And in the process of her message, she mentioned my son, Nathan, and the journey that we've we had with him during his cat life. I told you, though, Jesus not only delivered the Son, Jesus delivered the Father. I remember one night my son Nathan coming to our house, and I remember banging on our screen door. And we had gone through times of despair, frustration, and frankly, I was at the point of no more. And it was like I was battling on the other side. Do I let him in? Do I tell him, get away? And on this particular night, um, there was a smell and there was a, a condition that he was battling because we came to find out that he had been sprayed with, I think it was maize, if I remember, at the bar. And he was having problems seeing. He was covered in this. Remember, on the side of the house with the water hose trying to get free of this, but couldn't get free. And then he came in the house, and I remember leading him to, as he went to the the, the, the shower, to shower and try to get all this off. And, and I remember I was having a struggle in my heart. And I said, just leave him out. And, and yet God, in that moment, began to deal with me. And said, you see what's happening right now? You're seeing a picture of what I had to deal with. You, when you were in rebellion, you weren't covered in mace. You were covered in filth. You were covered in muck and mire. And yet, when you knocked on my door, I opened. I looked at you. I took you. And I washed you. And how many times have I revealed my loving kindness and patience to you? And I remember God was working in my heart that night. And I can tell you that that night, 
as I got honest with God and said, you're right. You're right. You've been very patient with me. You've been merciful to me. Oh, God, help me now. Because God, and I got honest, truth be told, I'm having a hard time believing this is ever going to change. And you know what I discovered? Because of the honesty and vulnerability, God began to give me a grace to love a little more. To forgive a little more. To be patient a little more. To be kind when I would rather choose to be mean a little more. And I tell that because I want us to understand, as Brother Jesse shared today, it's a process. And whenever we're struggling with this process, let us remember, as we've heard today, He has patiently dealt with us in our process of learning his ways. And when we're honest with God and say, Lord, here I am, I believe. But I need you to know because of the disappointments, the frustrations that I'm having to endure right now, I'm struggling to keep on believing. If we do that, he will then give us grace, the empowerment to do what we sense and feel we can no longer do. That's what he does with honesty and humility. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you because you're good. You're A good, good father, and I know it well. I know it well. I know it well in my life. You're a good, good father. You're such a good daddy. Your son Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those that ask him? Because of those words of Jesus, I've come to address you as the much more Father because you are. You're the much more forgiving. You're the much more patient. You're the much more powerful. You're the much more wiser. You're the much more patient. You're the much more kind. You're the much more generous. You're the much more holy. You're the much more righteous. And I thank you for showing me that there is no condition that you cannot change. That nobody is too far gone. That your hand cannot reach them and transform them. My Father, I want to remind you that this Father is grateful.
for the way that you've been patient with me, but also for the way that you demonstrated to me that your power can transform anyone and that there is no work of the devil that you cannot destroy, that you cannot undo, that you cannot dissolve by your power, Lord. I believe, Lord, that in this room right now, in this room and online, there are people who need your touch. I know there's people in this room right now and online. They're tired. They're weary. They've tried this and that. It's a battle. Oh, God. We're taking the limits off. We're calling on your power to come and do what only you can do. I thank you that you say, He that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. And so, right now, I'm asking for the demonstration of your power on behalf of those that, like this Father, are dealing with a condition that requires your power because they've tried so many other things they've tried so many other remedies and it's all fallen short they realize this requires the help of the almighty God and not only for someone they love but even for themselves there's a, there's a challenge, there's a struggle that they've been dealing with and they, they, they need your strength they need your power just like I needed it And I thank you that you are so good. When we come to you in humility, you exercise your ability. And you do what only you can do. And so I'm going to open this altar right now for those of you that say, I need Jesus to touch and transform in my life. I need Jesus to touch and transform in my heart. I need Jesus to touch and transform me. You come right now to this front area of the altar. You come and you bring your condition. You get honest. Because again, when you come in honesty, God is not going to reject you. He's going to exercise His ability. He's going to show you His power is unlimited. He can do what you cannot do. He can do it. Come right now. That's you. Online. You say, Pastor Angel, I need God's help. Just want you to put on the chat. I'm looking and coming to Jesus. I'm looking and coming to Jesus. I'm looking at coming to Jesus. I need Jesus' help. You come. And online you put that, I need Jesus' help. And I promise you, after this service, I'm going to go through that. And I'm going to pray over you because I know, I know I'm a living testimony. He is able. And I know what the power of prayer can do. So 
EW, go ahead. Go into it. And we're going to pray right now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.